0: Greetings, adventurer. Welcome to D20 Academy. I'm your host, Shalokanashiro, and today is episode 10 Alignment Deep Dive. Alright, so I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I had a lot of fun, uh, you know, researching this and, you know, diving deeper into this um, while I was, you know, planning out for this episode. And, you know, I can learn something, and I really hope you guys learn something. Uh, I'm gonna give a full description of what alignment is. Uh, the history of it, break down all, di- all nine uh, different alignments, uh, kind of talk about the argument about whether or not you should use alignment in your D&D game, uh, and all that kind of thing. So I hope you guys learn a lot, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Okay, so to start things off um, on today's talk about alignment, um, I'm just going to kind of describe what alignment is. If you're not really 100% sure what I'm talking about, um, or if you kind of know what I'm talking about, I'll refresh your memory. Um, in, D- in D&D, and I think a couple other role-playing games, a character's alignment is their general morality uh, and worldview. It's one of the personal characteristics um, on-, on a character sheet, like ideals, bonds, flaws, things like that, um, that helps drive the character's choices. Uh, it helps them you know, make decisions in the game. Uh, So ever since its conception, it has been a subject of uh, some kind of some controversy in the D&D community. Um, Some say the system is too constricting and isn't realistic, while others say it helps players get into the mindset of the character better and creates more consistent characters. Um, So there is this kind of back and forth in the D&D community, but um, it's kind of up to you and your playgroup to find your own opinion on alignment. Um, So to help you out today, I'm uh, going to give you a breakdown on the history, the details, and the intricacies of the alignment both sides of the argument, and also kind of my opinion on it. Uh, so you can decide for yourself, uh, with you and your playgroup, what to do with this alignment system. Um, so, like I stated before, alignment represents your character's morality, uh, and it helps drive the dis- decisions they make. <clears throat> do they tend more towards helping the weak or oppressing them, following the law, or rebelling against it? Um, it's, its base purpose is to assign a simple attribute to a character so the player playing that character can more easily understand the character and make realistic decisions, okay? So hopefully that's clear, and I'll kind of go into the different uh, the different kind of alignment choices uh, that you can have with your character in a second. But first, I'll give you guys a quick history on alignment. Um, so back in the first release of the game in 1974, Gary Gygax, he's the creator of D&D and a, a legend, uh, he developed a simple version of the alignment system. And he credits the idea to the fantasy novels of Michael Moorcock and Paul Anderson. Um, But basically, in this first version, you could choose between lawful, chaotic, and neutral. So this allowed players to understand if their character was honorable and respected the rules of society, pushed for rebellion and freedom, or sought a balance between the extremes. Um, But three years later, in 1977, uh, it led to the release of Dungeons & Dragons Basic Set, and this edition introduced a new axis, which is that of good and evil. Uh, good, of course, implying altruism and love for life, and evil implying selfishness and oppression. Um, so a character's alignment would fit somewhere in these two axes, Were they lawful or chaotic, and then were they good or evil. And then, of course, in the middle uh, of all this was still the neutral alignment. So this system uh, stuck with the game, and over a decade later, in 1988, there was a le- there was the ah re- uh, sorry I'm so sorry there was the re- release of uh, AD&D Second Edition, so Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition um where a character who acted too far out of alignment would have their alignment changed and then punished by losing experience points um which is the currency used to level up and get your character uh cooler abilities and stuff um so that was a change in AD&D second edition and then in 2008 uh way later came the release of fourth edition which was actually when I first played the game um I may talk about it later but it you know it's it's not the it's not the greatest But basically in that edition, they changed it uh, to only five alignments from the Classic Nine. Uh, And the only five alignments they changed it to were Lawful Good, Good, Evil, Chaotic Evil, and Unaligned. And then now with the fifth edition, um, there has been a revert back to the Classic Nine alignments. So that's Lawful Good, Neutral Good, Chaotic Good, Lawful Neutral, Neutral Chaotic Neutral, Lawful Evil, Neutral Evil, and Chaotic Evil. If that sounds a little overwhelming and a lot, don't worry, I'll break those all down in a second here. Um, But basically, those are the nine alignments as a 5th edition, um, which is probably what you're playing if you're playing D&D. You're probably playing 5th edition. That's the one that everyone's playing on the internet and streaming and stuff. Uh, By far the most popular and by far the best designed. Um, So, let's dive deep into these nine classic alignments and really flesh out the rules of each one and how they all differ from each other. Okay, so number one at the top of this kind of list here, we got Lawful Good. Uh, lawful good is kind of also known as, like, the crusader. Uh, so lawful good is kind of what most of us are here in the civilized West, uh, between lawful good and neutral good. Um, but basically, if you're lawful good, you believe in the law and the rules of society, you speak the truth, you're honorable, kind, and compassionate, and you hate to see the guilty go unpunished and the innocent oppressed. Right, so you believe in the law, you believe in doing what's right, uh... It's kind of the classic one for, like, clerics and paladins, you know, really good-hearted crusader people, right? But it can be a little dangerous because it restricts freedom and criminalizes self-interest. Examples of lawful good characters in history and pop culture are, like, Richard the Lionheart, Buzz Lightyear, Superman, King Arthur. Uh, I think you kind of get the stereotype there. Um, Next to that is neutral good. So this is kind of known as, like, if you're neutral good, like, you're the benefactor. Um, neutral good people do their best to be good. Um, they are devoted to helping others and showing compassion. And they work with leaders and magistrates but are not beholden to them. Um, they just care most about doing good without bias for law and order. Uh, one part of the character's personal journey may be trying to find out whether or not they believe in order or chaos, if you're kind of a neutral good character. Um, but it can be a little dangerous because it advances mediocrity by limiting the truly capable. Some examples of neutral good uh, characters in like pop culture are... Luke Skywalker, Samwise Gamgee, Mulan, Beowulf, kind of characters like that. So typically, like all of us as humans uh, in the West, typically, we're probably like lawful good or neutral good. Alright, so moving kind of across the axes, we go to chaotic good. Um, They're kind of known as the rebels. They make their own way, and they don't follow orders. They believe in goodness and right, but they have no need for laws and regulations. They do what they believe is right and not what society dictates that as. It combines a good heart with a free spirit. So they kind of fight back against society and civilization, um, kind of rules and regulations. they believe more in freedom um, but not but not selfishly. They want freedom for everyone and you know they want everyone to be free and happy and things like that. So examples like this are like Robin Hood, Doc Brown, Batman, William Tell, uh, kind of characters like that. Uh, so now we come to Lawful Neutral, um, who these characters are kind of known as the judges or the traditionalists. Uh, they just strictly follow law, order, and tradition. Order and organization takes their top priority. They're reliable and honorable. Um, but this, of course, can be get a little dangerous when they become too zealous and try to eliminate freedom, choice, and diversity in society. And examples of these characters are like Jeeves, Zoe Washburn, Gil Grissom, um... So, that's lawful neutral. And moving straight to the middle, um, the epicenter of all these axes, it's just straight and neutral, or sometimes called unaligned, right? The middle way man. They're undecided or confused when it comes to conviction or morals. They act in the moment, doing what they see as fit um, at that time. So, they're kind of either that character, or they may see law, order, good, and evil as dangerous extremes and attempt to preserve neutrality to keep balance. Um, And they can kind of be trusted because they're not too biased to any side of the axes. But they can be dangerous because they can be kind of apathetic, indifferent, and have a lack of conviction. It's hard to count on someone who doesn't yet know where they fit in the moral compass. Examples of characters like these is Sherlock Holmes, Indiana Jones, and M from James Bond. Alright, so moving down, we come to the bottom of the neutral place, which is chaotic neutral. They're kind of the free spirits and individualists. They care most about freedom and their own liberty. They avoid authority, they resent restrictions, they challenge traditions. Um, they don't actively try to disrupt organizations because to do so, they would have to be motivated by either good to liberate those oppressed by society or evil and a desire to make those, uh, you know, to hurt those that are different from themselves. Um, but of course, they can be dangerous when they seek to eliminate all authority, harmony, and order in society. So, examples of chaotic neutral characters are Jack Sparrow, Tyrion Lannister, and River Tam. Alright, now we're moving uh, down to the kind of bottom side of this, this moral compass here to lawful evil, right? These are the dominators, the dictators. Um, they take what they want within the limits of codes of conduct without regards for who it hurts. You know, they kind of they care about law and order, but not freedom, dignity, or life. They're typically hungry for power and, you know, to be at the top of a civilized hierarchy. It kinda, a lawful evil character kind of combines honor and dedicated self-interest, and this is one of the most dangerous alignments because it represents methodical, intentional, and frequently success- successful evil. Right? Um, this is kind of a classic villain, right? S- Sauron, Darth Vader, Dracula, Lex Luthor. Um, you know, characters who are hungry for power to be at the top of things, to rule over people, um, but in an evil, oppressive way. Um, so next we got neutral evil, right? The malefactor, the mercenary. They do whatever they can get away with. Um, so they're just out for, them th- out for them- themselves above all else. They have, no law for, they have no love for law and order, and they don't believe, uh, in, you know, being integral in society, that that will better them at all. Um, but they're not also, like, restless or chaos-hungry. And this is a very dangerous alignment because it represents pure evil without honor or variation. And examples of neutral evil characters are like Two-Face, Scar, Dr. Evil... Um, kind of characters like that. Alright, next we got Chaotic Evil. This is the Destroyer. They do whatever their greed, hatred, or lust for destruction drives them to do. They're vicious, violent, and unpredictable. They're selfish, ruthless, brutal, and they just, they seek out chaos for the sake of chaos. They're a volatile and incredibly dangerous alignment because it represents the destruction of life and beauty, as well as the order on which they depend. Right, so a classic example of this is like a serial killer, like the Joker, um, Ramsay Bolton from Game of Thrones, um, those, those kind of characters, right? Just, just destructive, chaotic, um, don't care about who they hurt, those kind of characters. Um, but those are the nine alignments and the two axes on which they're balanced, and that's kind of the antithesis of the alignment system. This system has actually become quite famous, and you've probably seen one or two, like, memes or images online referencing these things. Um, but so, you know, now that I've given you a description of all the alignments and Hopefully you can understand them a bit more. Um, Here's the eternal question, right? Should you use alignment in your game or not? So right now I'm going to discuss both sides of the argument and focus on the strengths and weaknesses of the system. So first, this is the argument why you should. Um, Like I mentioned earlier on in the episode, alignment is a great way to define your character's morality and worldview. It makes it easier to act as your character and make choices that the character would make. And this is greatly helpful to new players especially, right? Uh, alignment helps you play a consistent character. Now, the argument why you shouldn't... Um, well, in real life, people aren't totally defined you know, into one of these nine alignments and shift in between. right? Morality and worldview are complicated things that are too varying and complex to box into two simple words on a character sheet. Right? Play- uh, also, players shouldn't be attacked for acting out of alignment with their character. Um, sadly, a frequent occurrence in a playgroup where alignment is used... Um, Is when someone makes their character act out of their alignment and then gets accused and attacked for it by other players right that 's not a healthy ap- atmosphere, and it stunts character growth um, so that's kind of both sides of the argument right and also like you know it's hard for you know like giving the examples right the pop culture examples that I gave you um, thinking about those characters they're not totally in line with what I described that alignment to be right sometimes they kind of made choices and they had some things in their background, and, and they did some things that were not completely into that alignment, right? Because just as people, we're, were just much more complex than that. And so sometimes alignment can be a little too constricting and actually do the opposite and make it, like, you know, a little more unrealistic to play a character like that. Alright, so here we are. So what do I think about alignment? What do I think about all this? Well, I do agree that realistically, morality in making decisions is very complex and it can't really be boxed into whether you support law or chaos, and good or evil, right? But on the other hand, it can be tough for players to play a consistent character because they're not completely sure of their worldview or moral compass. So here is what I suggest. If you're new to the game, or find playing a character with alignment greatly helps you play your character, um, go do that. But make sure that the playgroup understands that this is just a basic trait that helps players keep their character consistent, but that acting out of it shouldn't be punished. It's simply for helping the player, but shouldn't define the character. Um, when I was saying about the frequent occurrence of, like, people getting attacked, like, you don't want that to be happening in your playgroup, right? That That's not a good thing. Um, just, you need to, like, alignment should just be used as a base thing to help players get into their characters, but, you know, it, should, it shouldn't be constricting them. They should be able to be free to make other choices that they think their character would be fit to make, depending on other things, like their background, their flaws, their ideals, and things like that, right? Just more of a uh, a guideline, right? Um, but, you know, if you'd rather not play the alignment, that, 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 that's also fine. 5th edition has added four more character dynamics that can help define a character's worldview and morality. Right? Personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. So if you have these, then you can play a very realistic and consistent character without having the constraints of an alignment. Right? All these things affect a character's thought process, right? Their ideals, their bonds, their flaws. Uh, it affects their thought process and worldview, um, so if having an alignment puts too much pressure on you, feels like it kind of constricts your decision-making and things like that too much, uh, then, yeah, you, you don't have to use alignment. In 5th edition, there's, like, a couple, like, rules and, like, some monster abilities that have to do with alignment. Um, it, it appears very rarely, though, and you can, like, work around them. So alignment is not, you know, 100% needed to be used in the game for, like, rules and abilities. Um, it's just much more of a role-playing thing, you know, to help you get into your character and things like that. Um, but that's kind of what I suggest about, like, whether or not you should use alignment in your game, right? So, like, not everyone has to use alignment, I don't think, if, if you don't want to. Um, it's just about, like, what helps you as a player. Um, but no one should feel constricted or be attacked for, you know, acting out of alignment and stuff. And I'm really glad 5th edition has added personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws, uh, you know, and also, like, your backstory and all that kind of stuff. Um, because that's realistic, right? That's what we all as humans have as well. And that also helps drive the decisions we make and the kind of personality we have and things like that, right? Not just in alignment, whether we're lawful good or chaotic evil, um, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that's kind of alignment. Um, it's a pretty interesting part about D&D. Uh, obviously, it's been there from the beginning. Um, still kind of argumented over um, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting. Like, it's fun to maybe play around with having a party that's all the same alignment, or a party with, where everyone has different alignments, right? That's that's, that's typical. Um, because it's, it's cool when, you know, all the different characters in the party kind of have different alignments, and, you know, seeing their characters kind of clash when it comes to how to solve c- certain situations and things like that. Um, that can be really cool. But once again, that doesn't have to boil down to an alignment. Um, you can, you know, still have a great defined character by uh, having ideals, bonds, and flaws, and stuff. If maybe an alignment puts too much pressure on you and stuff. Um, Yeah, there it is. Uh, Those are the nine alignments of D and D fifth edition. Uh, You've probably kind of seen charts and stuff like that online for memes and things like that. Um, But yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about that. You know, give a description of all of those and kind of my thoughts on that. Um, So yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of that. Uh, This was a really cool one for me uh, to kind of research and, uh, you know, kind of look more, get deeper into it myself as I was planning for this episode. Um, But, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Have a great weekend. And I'll be back here on Monday with a cool review of some interesting monster. We'll see.